So this morning, as you just heard, we have the privilege of hearing about one of the clearest gospel verses in our Bibles. We're looking at one of the best single verses that summarizes what it is that's available in Jesus Christ for us and for the world. But to begin, right away, we need to get some background on what's going on here in these verses. And as for some background, we not only need to remember the key things we've seen thus far in Galatians, right, about how there's only one true gospel, about the danger of false gospels, and about how all the apostles agreed on the gospel. That's all true. But perhaps more important than just that background is a little background on one of the most important words in our passage this morning. And that's that word justified. Justified. It occurs three times here in verse 16. And I think it's a little helpful for us to get some background on this word right away because I want all of us to be careful not to fall into one of two opposite errors on all this which could make listening to a message like this not helpful. And, and here's what I mean. First would be the error of hearing this text and this word justified and if you've been a Christian for some time thinking, oh, since I totally understand this already, then this message isn't really for me. Right? It's just for others, maybe for unbelievers. But that's just not true. Because remember, the New Testament letters, like Galatians here, were primarily written to believers. And not only that, but for all of us as Christians, we always need to be retaught, reminded, refreshed of the gospel truths all the time. So that's the first error to be wary of. But the opposite error then would be hearing words like this, like justified. And, and if you're less familiar with Christianity, thinking that because it's a little confusing of a word, this is all just religious talk and doesn't mean much to you. But that's not true at all either. And in fact, let me say with 100% certainty, not because of me, but because this is Jesus' gospel, that what this word justified here talks about is the most important message in the world and for the world, now and forever. And so with that said, before we even dig into this text then, we need to ask, what then is this word justified? Well, most foundational, the word justified, just so you know, in the original languages of the Bible, comes from the same root word as the word righteous or just. And those words in themselves can sound a little loaded, but they just speak about what's right, about the way things are supposed to be, about what's not often wrong. And then as for the verb to justify or to be justified, literally it's just to be righteousness. Meaning if someone is counted righteous, like in a courtroom, they are righteousness. Or since that's not actually an English verb, unfortunately, we say they are justified. And so that's just the background on the word itself. But then, even more important than just the word itself, is the whole Old Testament background on this idea of being righteous and not righteous. Because on this, we need to remember Paul who wrote this, and then also Jesus and all the apostles were Jewish. Right? And so concerning the Old Testament and righteousness... We need to know that in the Old Testament, the most foundational idea of righteousness on what is right, who is right, is that God himself is righteous. Right? He's the source of all rightness. He always does right. 
And not only that, but his righteousness involves him being perfectly kind and loving and powerful and wise and everything else that's good. But then though, right, concerning us, in the storyline of the Bible and in history, although God made us, humanity, in his righteous image, yet due to willful sin, we are now unrighteous, as we all know. Meaning, we're not righteous like God, instead we're off. We're not right in many ways. And therefore, we're not in a relationship with him on our own, or in a relationship with others like we were meant to be. And so that's the background of this idea of righteousness in the Old Testament. And then from then on, in the Bible and in history, if you think about it, it's this idea of righteousness, although it sounds like a big word, it's this idea of righteousness that can define the world's problem and the solution we all need. Because again, I know this might sound like a lot, but in basic, we all know the problem is that we're not righteous. Right? We all feel that. We're not right. We're not in a relationship with God on our own and therefore everything else is off. And, and so the question has always been, well, well, what's the solution? What's the way out of our unrighteous predicament? Right? And many worldviews and religions try to answer this, but that's where this idea of justification comes in. Because remember, justification is just to be righteousness, to be counted right again. And that's what we all need. That then leads to one, though, last thing on this. And this is what our verse, our verses will be most about. So that's the Old Testament. God is righteous. We're often not righteous. We need to be counted righteous, righteousness. And yet most important for us then, and for the world then, if we think about it, is asking how, though, that can happen. Right? Righteousnessing is what we need, but how? And there's really two opposite ways that human beings have envisioned this justification, this righteousnessing happening. And the first way is that we try to be good enough. Right? We try to be righteous enough in our actions for us to feel righteous and so that God may somehow overlook all of our bad things because of the good things that we're doing. He might consider us righteous. And, and that's the most common idea taken by all major religions besides Christianity itself because it seems so natural to us. I mean, we're not righteous, so we got to do a lot better. We got to be a lot better to restore that and so that God can somehow count us righteous. But to be honest, as we'll see this morning, that never worked in the Old Testament, that never works in any other worldview or religion, nor does today and that's because in reality doing good doesn't make up for all of our wrongs we all know that justice that rightness doesn't work that way and yet still that's the default way people think that we can be righteousness by what we do by being better enough but that then leads to the second way and the only true way that we can be just I had counted righteous by God. And this was hinted at in the Old Testament and it's revealed in Jesus Christ. And that's that we can be counted righteous by God. Declared okay and in a right relationship with him which leads to everything else. That can happen not by us all of a sudden becoming amazing. But instead because of God's grace and what Jesus did. Because Jesus, in reality, takes my sins and so I'm totally forgiven for them and because Jesus' faithfulness is counted as mine. 
That's the gospel. The gospel of justification, of righteousnessing, of the gospel of unrighteous people being amazingly counted righteous in the eyes of a righteous God. Which finally brings us to our passage. So that was a big background, but now, with all that said, as we approach this text, I hope it's not just something you think you've heard before, or something that you think doesn't apply to you. Instead, in this text, simply put, Paul is going to talk about the greatest problem for all of us and for world history. About how we, who clearly aren't right, can be counted right. Can be okay again with God and in this world. So now with that said, in order to cover these verses here, we're simply going to have three sections as we go through this text. Three sections, and we'll just reveal them as we go. But with that said, then we'll begin our first section this morning. And here, we're going to see the Bible talk about what we know concerning the good news of Jesus. What we know. And for this, we're going to be in verse 15 and the first part of verse 16. But, that's, but we'll start with just verse 15. So look down in your Bibles, just Galatians 2, 15. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. We'll stop there for now. So this is Paul connecting to his story about him and Peter last week. We won't focus on that. And at first, I want to show this because it seems that Paul is saying that they're not sinners like the Gentiles. But this verse literally actually just reads that they're not sinners out of the Gentiles. Meaning, Paul is saying that they're not Gentile sinners, but as he's about to say in verse 17, if you just want to skim your eyes down there, he's about to say that they are sinners as well, even though they're Jewish. But that's his point to start, that they're all sinners, which then leads to talking about what we should know in the beginning of verse 16. So look down your Bibles, now we're just going to read the first half or so of verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified, there's our word, by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we'll actually stop there. So as you can see, this verse at the beginning is actually talking about something we know. And we don't want to skip past that because that's actually the verb that God inspired Paul to use. And this shows us that back then, even around 50 AD in, when Galatians was written, the gospel was something that most of them did know. And so for many of us, we already know this gospel too. Or perhaps, maybe this morning, it's the first time that you've heard clearly the gospel of Jesus. But, but either way, the point is, the gospel is something we know. What is it specifically that we know here? Well, as you can see, the gospel we know includes two things there. Two things. And two things concerning what is true for each of us individually. Because Paul uses the phrase, a person. And what are those things? Well, first, in that first half of verse 16, we know that, quote, a person is not justified by works of the law. But instead, second, that a person is justified through faith in Jesus Christ. And remember, justified is just literally talking about being counted righteous in the righteous God's eyes, in reality, in his judgment of you. A judgment that puts you in a right relationship with him and that leads to everything else. How does a person get that? That justification, that righteousnessing? Again, two things. Not by works of the law. Instead, through faith in Jesus Christ. Which again, is the heart of the good news. Now as a quick side note, uh, to be honest, I want you to know um, that in scholarly circles these days, both of these two things that are said there in verse 16 about we know are hugely debated topics. 
And I just want you quickly to be aware of this in case anyone comes in contact with you about this or you read it somewhere. And the debate is first concerning the phrase, the works of the law. The debate is, is it talking about following the whole Mosaic law or is Paul just talking about following things like circumcision? And then second, the debate concerning the phrase faith in Christ Jesus is, is this talking about the faithfulness of Jesus? As it actually can be translated that way. Or is it talking about having faith in Jesus? As it can be translated that way. And, and honestly, both of those questions are perhaps maybe interesting to you. But why I want to bring that up to you all here is because I hope you know that no matter how someone decides to answer those two questions, still, concerning the gospel itself, Neither debate is actually that important. Because whether works of the law is following the whole Old Testament or following rites like circumcision, the point still is that what we do doesn't justify us. <laughs> doesn't lead to us being counted righteous. And then second, whether it's talking about Jesus' faithfulness or faith in Jesus, still the point is that it's Jesus who enables us to be counted righteous. And not only that, but honestly, the next phrase in verse 16 is going to talk about how we're to believe in Jesus. But either way, that's then the two things that we know in this first section. We know that we aren't justified righteousness by what we do. Instead, we know that we can righteousness by Jesus Christ, by what he did and trusting him. That's what we know. And again, this means for all of us here this morning, we now know the true gospel. Now what you do with what you know is up to you. But at this point, we know the gospel. So that leads to our second section, and perhaps the most important section of our passage. So we've seen what we know, but now for this section, we're going to see how we should respond to what we know. How we should respond to what we know. And for this, we'll be in the middle, just the middle of verse 16. But since it's so short, we'll start by reading the whole beginning of verse 16 as well. So look down your Bibles. We're going to read most of verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to justify faith and not by works of the law. So to be honest, until I was studying this verse this week in preparation for all this, I don't think I've ever clearly realized what Paul is doing in this verse. Because maybe like many of you, whenever I've read this, like honestly when I did last week in my message, I've always thought that Paul is basically just saying the same thing twice here in verse 16 for emphasis. But then this week when I was taking into account the actual verbs that Paul decides to use, it became really clear what he's doing. And it's brilliantly applicable for, for all of us. But see it for yourself. In the first half of verse 16, he says, we know. We know the gospel. But then in the second half of verse 16, it's the next step. Because then it becomes, so we also have believed. Or most literally, we ourselves, with an emphatic we in the original Greek, we ourselves have believed. And so this means the reason verse 16 is so long and basically repeated twice isn't actually just for emphasis. That's what I've always thought. But instead, it's because in the first half we know something, but now in the second half it's the intended response to what we know. We ourselves believe. Meaning we know the truth that a person is not justified by works but by faith in Christ. But more important than just knowing a truth is now responding to it. <laughs> And how do we do that? 
So we also have believed in Christ Jesus. And it's here then that we really need to stop, maybe take a breath, and make sure that we're not just hearing words here this morning, but instead really applying God's word. Because let's be honest, we all know how easy it is to, to hear a message like this, especially about God and Jesus and the gospel, and honestly agree and say it all sounds nice, but then to not really personally apply it to your life. And that's always an issue for all of us, but I think our text here is pointing us to how much of an issue that can be with in hearing and knowing the gospel. Because again, it's one thing to know the gospel, to know the truth of it. But the question for each of us is that central part of this verse. It's have I taken that knowledge and then responded with, I know it, and as a result, I really do believe in Jesus. And now on this, just like we gave some background on the word justified, so here, since it's so central, it's helpful for us to give some background on this word believe as well. Because just like justified shows up three times in verse 16, so belief or faith shows up three times in verse 16 as well. So for us in English, belief mainly implies just facts. Right? Like I believe it might rain tomorrow. But in the Bible and in Greek here, we should know that that word believe never meant just merely believing facts. In English, it can mean that, but not in God's word. Instead, in the Bible, belief always carries with it the idea of believing something or someone and therefore relying on them. Or, don't take my word for it, but in Bible scholar circles, is this one major definitive dictionary or lexicon of early Greek words, and they take into account all these early writings to figure out what these words in our Bible really meant at the time. And that dictionary defines this Greek word, pistuo, in these two main ways. One, to consider something to be true and therefore worthy of one's trust. Or two, and similarly, to entrust oneself to an entity in complete confidence. And so this idea of believing in Jesus isn't believing facts. It includes that, but it's primarily a trust, a reliance word. And that being said, now we can see more clearly what Paul's doing in the second half of verse 16 here. It isn't, I know the gospel and so I believe in Jesus' existence. <laughs> that really wouldn't make much sense. Instead, it's, I know the gospel, that I'm counted righteous again only in Jesus Christ and so I myself rely on that Jesus. <laughs> I bake my hope on him. He's all I got. He's the only solution. Not my works. Right, those won't make me right. Instead, yes, I do believe the fact that Jesus is real, but that's not the most important point. Instead, I trust him. I trust that he took my sins, my, my wrongs, and that I'm counted righteous only because of what he did. I rely on Jesus Christ. And so for all of us, that's really the central point of this verse. It's about really believing, meaning relying on and trusting in Jesus. Now that said, I know we are in church right now. <laughs> and so again, I know how tempting it is once again for us to, to hear most about this, about trusting in Christ and think, yep, I got this one, I'm all good. <laughs> and, I, and I do pray, genuinely, I really do pray that most of us in this room right now really do trust in Jesus. Because if we do, we are justified, right with God, full stop. Right, that's the gospel. 
And yet, we should know that the reason this letter, right, which was written to churches, is in the Bible is because it's often not that simple with people who say they believe. Right? And that's why churches and that's why us here at ECC need to hear this about trusting in Jesus over and over. Right? We need to hear this for at least two reasons. Two reasons. First is because even in churches, right, there are people who say they believe but don't genuinely trust in Jesus. And this is especially the case in our culture today when over 70% of Americans on a forum will profess to be Christians. And it's the case in the Bible where we have so many passages that lovingly talk to us about this. For example, consider John 8 where John writes about how certain people, quote, believed in Jesus, but then within that same chapter, those same people are attacking and wanting to kill Christ. Or 2 Corinthians 13 where Paul is encouraging each person in the church in Corinth to, quote, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Or take 1 John 2 where John talks about how certain people said they believed but then they eventually left the faith showing that they never genuinely trusted Christ. Or take for example Jesus' famous teaching on the parable of the sower like in Luke chapter 8 which he tells specifically to show that many people say they believe in him for some time but then when things get tough or where the cares and pleasures of the world come in they fall away showing they never really believed. Or finally take what I think is the most sobering paragraph in the whole Bible, which Jesus himself told again in Matthew 7, where he says that some people at the last day will say they called him Lord, Lord, and did many miracles in his name, and yet then he'll say to them, I actually never knew you. Now, my goal in listing all of that isn't to make it seem that in order for you to be a real Christian, you must have the most amazing faith. Or you must be an exemplary Christian. Or you have to make sure you have these consistent feelings. Or that you have to make sure you achieve some sort of higher life. Or anything like that. Because saying anything like that would take away from the gospel. Because the gospel is if you really trust Jesus, you are justified. You are Christ. That's it. Instead, the point is simply to make clear that one of Satan's main tactics especially in post-Christian evangelized cultures like ours, is to convince people that belief in Jesus is merely raising a hand or going to church or saying you believe facts like Jesus' existence. And that way he, he devilishly takes that English word believes and make people think that just because they believe a fact that they know Jesus. But the true gospel has always been more than just believing facts. Instead, it's about truly trusting Jesus. So that's the first reason we need to hear this. Because we each need to check. Do I genuinely trust Jesus? But then the second reason, very quickly, why even as Christians, we need to keep hearing this about trusting in Jesus is because we need to realize that trusting in Jesus isn't just the way into Christianity. Right? But as the Old Testament said, and as the New Testament apostles loved to quote, quote, they said, quote, the righteous, those who are counted righteous, shall live by faith. Meaning, trusting Jesus isn't just the beginning. It defines our Christian lives, or as Paul said elsewhere, we walk by faith. And so all that said, that's then how we respond to what we know. Quote, so we also have believed in Christ Jesus. 
Because for all of us, whether you're new to Christianity this morning or whether you've been a professing Christian for a long time, the point is still the same. We personally need to each trust in Jesus and what he has done and in how we can be counted righteous not because of our works, but through faith in him. Which finally leads us to our third and last section. And for this, we'll just be in that last part of verse 16. So we've seen what we know. We've seen how we should respond to what we know. But now we'll finish off verse 16 by asking, and why should we care so much about all this? And so now let's read all of verse 16 one last time. But as we do so, we'll focus in on how it ends. So look down at your Bibles, Galatians 2, all of verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So why do we care about all this? Well, as we've been saying, it's because we're not righteous. Well, while God is real and righteous and we need to be righteousness counted righteous, and yet the reality is, as verse 16 says at the end, by works of the law, meaning by what we do, no one will be justified. And that's why we care about all this, because apart from this gospel of Jesus Christ, no one will be counted righteous. Righteousness. Which, remember, is the main problem for everyone in the entire world. Now I know for us, as, as we hear that last clause and phrase there at the end of verse 16, it might not have the same force that it did for the Jews especially that were reading this back then. Because, let's be honest, if any of us want to be right with God, I'm sure none of us is relying on trying to do our best to just obey the Old Testament law. And so I know we might hear that ending there and kind of just be like, yeah, I know. I know I can't be right with God by rule following. And yet that being true, I do think that this ending here can have the same force for us if we consider why it had such force for the Jews in Paul's day back then. Because although we don't think we need to obey the Mosaic law for justification like they thought, still, we are more similar to them than perhaps we realize. And here's what I mean. So if you boil it down, the reason why this, because by works of the law, no one will be justified, had such force for the Jews back then, and it still does today, is because this meant, number one, that because of their lineage, their ethnicity, their upbringing, that had no impact on if they were personally right with God. And number two, it meant that their being better or a little more moral than other people, had no impact on if they were right with God. Because if you take those two things together, those really show us what the Jews in Jesus' day were trusting in, relying on for their rightness. Right? One was the fact of their lineage, their history, their ethnicity. I mean, they were Jews after all. And the second was the fact that they were pretty decent people. I mean, they were trying to obey the best they could, and especially compared to the Romans, right? Come on. And yet, that's why verse 16 at the end here was so devastating for them. Because it's God telling them that by their lineage or by their goodness, no one will be justified. No one. So now consider us. And consider people today. Right? In America and all over the world. And why so many people. And maybe why you here this morning. 
why they think that they'll be okay with God. And on this, it's fascinating how similar this is to the Jews back then. Because the reality is, the far, far majority of people aren't atheists. About 3%, that's it, 3% of Americans are atheists. That means amazingly well, well over 90% of people believe that there's some sort of God. And so the question is, why aren't so many people then genuinely flocking to the good news of Jesus Christ? If people know that God is real, and almost everyone acknowledges that they're not perfect, why are gospel-centered churches not full to the brim with people relying on Jesus? Well, when you think about it, the answer really is so similar to what it was for the Jews that Paul's addressing here. And that's because first, it's because when people think about God, often if they're from any sort of religious or Christian or Catholic background, they often think that because of that, they're fine. Which is exactly the same that was going on with the Jews and their lineage. And then second though, and even bigger, it's because even though 95% of people believe that God is real and realize that they're not perfect, still what they subtly rely on, trust in, concerning why they'll think they'll be okay, is because they think, sure, God is real and I'm not perfect, but I'll be okay because I'm not that bad of a person. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm a decent person, just trying to do my best, and so God will justify me. And even though they probably won't use that word, that's essentially what they're thinking. And that's then exactly the same that was going on with the Jews in Jesus' day. And that's why verse 16 at the end here is still just as powerful today. And it's why we should care about all this. Because so often, naturally, people just think, and we can tend to think, hey, we're, we're just decent people. But then verse 16 at the end comes in and in the Apostle Paul essentially says and God essentially says to all of us through Paul, no, 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 no. That doesn't work. That's not it. And remember, this isn't me. Who cares about me? It's not me as a pastor saying this. This is clear in God's word. He says, no one will be justified righteousness, counted righteous that way. No one, because our best isn't righteous. It's still sin-stained. <laughs> we need forgiveness. We all need Jesus Christ. And so the answer isn't in our works, our lineage, our advances, our goodness, our being a little better than other people. It's only in trusting in Jesus Christ. <laughs> and the best part of this is, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's why this is the gospel of Jesus, which means good news. Because yes, this does mean that we aren't that impressive. <laughs> None of us is in God's eyes. And that's very humbling maybe. But also, it means that the pressure's off. <laughs> the pressure's off to earn your standing with God. To be good enough. To be moral enough. To be successful enough. To feel sorry enough. Instead, a person is counted righteous in God's courtroom and is right with God only by trusting in Jesus Christ and what he did. That's our good news. So that's our text. The background is the righteousness of God, how we're each not right and how we can be counted right, righteousness in God's eyes. And what we know is the gospel. The gospel that says that we can't make up for all of our wrongs. 
Instead, we're justified only by trusting in Jesus Christ and what he's done. And then the response, though, to what we know isn't just to know it. But instead, it's for each of us to personally trust in Christ. And then finally, why should we care about all this? Well, it's because although God is real and he loves us and he's provided a way to be counted right in Christ, still the reality is so many people, and I pray not you here this morning, but maybe so many people think that in order to be right, at the end of the day, I just need to be a decent person. That's just not true. No one will be righteousness that way. It's only by faith in Christ. That's the gospel and that's our text in a nutshell, which finally leads us, as we now come to a close, to one last thing I want us to see from all this. One last thing. And for this, it might seem a little heady at first, so stick with me, but I think you'll find it helpful. And so, on this, I almost structured this whole message based on what I'm about to show you, but I decided to go a different route, but I think you'll find it interesting. So what I want to show you as we close now is that verse 16 here is actually very intricately and even poetically ordered by Paul in a way that we call a chiasm. A chiasm. And all that means is we simply get that word from the Greek letter chi, which looks like a capital X. So imagine an X in your mind. And the idea of a chiasm is that it's a poetic form where you structure something symmetrically. Right? So with, with point one, and then say point two, and then point one, or point two said in a different way, and then point one. So symmetry. Or to use an analogy that's maybe helpful, it's like a sandwich. Right? With the bread on the outside being point one, and then say the cheese on each piece of bed being point two, and so it's symmetrical. But the reason this matters is because often in chiasms, it's often what's in the middle then that's the most important. Or use a sandwich analogy, it's the meat in the middle that's the emphasis. And that's what we see here. And I want you to see this for yourself as we close. So everyone, if you can, look down at verse 16. You'll see this whole verse is a chiasm. So to start, notice the first idea in verse 16 is that, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. And then notice at the end of verse 16, that same idea is repeated. Not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So that's the bread on the outside. And then second, right inside of that, notice the second idea in verse 16 is that a person is justified through faith in Christ. And then go towards the end of verse 16, the thing right above the fact that no one will be justified by the law is, quote, in order to be justified by faith in Christ. And so you see the symmetry. We have the outer bread. No one is justified by works. We have one step in. We can be justified by faith in Christ. Which then brings us to the very center of our passage. The meat of our chiasm. And what is it? Well, you can see, quote, So we also have believed in Christ Jesus. So there it is. And so, so I want you to see that this morning because this means that God in multiple ways through Paul here wants all of us to really hear that this morning. Because <laughs> that's not only the biggest application from our passage, but it's even the literal, literary, emphatic center of this text. Because yes, this verse is about not being justified by works and knowing that. And this verse is about knowing you, have, you can be justified in Christ. But the crux of that all for all of us is asking the question, do I really believe and trust in Jesus? 
Do I rely on myself or do I rely on him? Do I look to him for grace, for help, for hope, for peace? And do I trust him as my Lord and Savior? Or am I really relying on being a decent person and essentially wanting to be my own Lord and Savior? And so, so as we close, one last time. If you're here and you don't trust in Jesus, I really do encourage you to do so this morning. I encourage you even to pray to him as I'm about to pray and close this message in a minute. And even come find me after the service and talk more about this if you'd like. Because above all else, Jesus and trusting him in him is the solution and the salvation we're all longing for. Finally, for those of us who do trust in Jesus Christ, remember, this passage is still for us. Because yes, if we trust in Jesus, we are justified. And that is a one-time declaration that we are no longer guilty and we are counted righteous by God. But also, let's remember that just as we're justified by faith, so we continue to live by faith. And so for those of us who trust in Jesus, let's praise God. Let's praise God for this gospel of grace and let's praise God for his grace. And then let's continue to believe and trust in Jesus Christ day in and day out. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.